0: Thanks for tuning in to Christian Medical and Dental Association's Chapel. May the message be a blessing to you. So we've got NACON coming up in a couple of weeks, and uh, I don't know, you remember last year we had uh, Dallas Jenkins, and uh, it was a great opportunity to meet him. Uh, I think, you know, from our time together, I kind of had a chance to hang out with him a little bit, and we kind of became BFFs a little bit. Uh, he, uh, he actually, he sent me uh, a clip of something he's workshopping for uh, season six and he gave me permission to share it with you all. So I figured, uh, let's just have a chance to look at something that maybe uh, maybe on The Chosen. It's coming up. Six. After the crucifixion. Go ahead. Are we all here? I need 100% participation for this to work. Yeah, everyone's here. All 12. 11. 11 of us. Uh, what's the plan? Well... As you know, Jesus is dead. But stick with me, stick with me, okay? Stick with me. I have a plan. We are going to steal his body. Okay, okay, I'm tracking with you. What's next? And then we're going to tell the whole world that he rose from the dead. Oh, Oh, you know I'm in. I love it already. (laughs) All right, classic, classic. Then what? And then... We're all going to get brutally murdered! Uh, Wait, 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 come again, come again. Could you go over that last part real, real quick? Oh, what, we get murdered. What's the problem? Uh, I I like it. (laughs) I like it. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, Peach. I love me a good hoax as much as the next guy, right? (laughs) Right? Uh, uh, What's in it for us? Do we all get riches, fame, and fortune first? Right? Now, now, get this. You're going to be hated, hated, persecuted, and reviled for the rest of your life. Oh! 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 OK, guys, OK, fellas, 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 fellas. Uh, look, uh, I've I, I got to be missing something here, right? OK? I mean, why on earth would we do this? Can, can we start over? Oh, OK. We'll start from the beginning. Everybody for John, yeah. the beloved disciple. So, okay, we go down to Jesus' tomb. I, sounds good. This is yet. really that easy. Then we pay off the Roman soldiers that are guarding the tomb with their lives. Why Why would they do that? Then we somehow roll away the big stone that's in front of the tomb. Obviously you have to move the rock first. Yeah. And then we steal his body. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess. Then we tell the whole world that he rose from the dead, and we get brutally murdered for our troubles! Ah! Epic break, bro. Ah! Peter, you rock! Ah! Oh, oh, okay, guys. I, okay, and then what? Then we all get killed. Come on. When do we see ourselves become exalted and praised? That's just it. You don't! Ah! Happening? Anyone hear what I'm saying? This is the most idiotic plan of all time! Chill out, bro. I mean, do I really have to explain the joke to you? Look, it's that we lie about Jesus' resurrection, and then we all die! Oh! How am I supposed to chill out when our heads are getting cut off? Or worse? What is wrong with you guys? Okay, look, back me up here. I know you can't be cool with all this. I know you got to have some doubts. Come on, doubts? I'll never have any doubts! Shit, up! Okay, okay, you guys have officially lost it, okay? I am out of here. I, I'd rather be exiled to a deserted island than spend another minute with you, wackos. Have I got some good news for you? Obviously, you will not see that in The Chosen, uh, Babylon Bee, if you had any question, it's the bad bee. Well, we want to talk about the resurrection, uh, and it's not, obviously, we uh, heard a lot about it uh, this past Sunday as we were in church and celebrated Easter, but um, I wanted to read uh, just kind of as we kind of uh, dive into this this is more parenthetical but you know so so often we think of Easter as being a singular opportunity for us to remember the resurrection but if you grew up in in churches where there was a liturgical calendar if you've been in in those kinds of uh, uh, those church environments then you you know that that like like Christmas we we talk about it being a season of advent we know that it's not simply a a singular day but it's a preparation it's an opportunity to prepare ourselves uh to remember the birth of christ or in the case of lent it's a it's a matter of preparation to uh move us into uh remembering christ's crucifixion and Easter is somewhat similar in that it's not simply a singular day. And I just wanted to read from Living the Christian Year, Time to Inhabit the Story of God by Bobby Gross. And uh, he's, he's on staff the InterVarsity. And if, Tom Grosh, if you're online, you, you, you probably have this book, I know, in your library. But uh, I just wanted to read this. This is a little bit parenthetical to what I'm about to talk about, but I just think it, it sets the stage for why talk yet again and continue to press into the resurrection especially during this time within a century of Jesus rising the church had established the extended Easter season but why 50 days? First because of the enormity of the resurrection invited a lengthy celebration second Easter lasted until Pentecost, Pentecost Greek for 50th the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out and then he goes on to say as with Christmas, Easter is both a day and a season. Is celebrating the 12 days of Christmas is a challenge, keeping the 50 days of Easter is 10 times harder. There is no catchy song on the first day of Easter, no decorations to keep up a while longer, and for most, uh, and for most of our churches, no encouragement or support. Easter Sunday, no problem. We know how to make this day special, don't we? Nice outfits, arrangements of lilies and other bright flowers. A heightened liturgy full of hallelujahs, triumphal music and added brass. Cheerful exclamations of He is risen all around. But by next Sunday we usually have moved on to the next topic or returned to our old routine. This is unfortunate because the implications of the resurrection, its explosive force, call for an extended period of exploration and appropriation easter cannot be done in a day so just a thought as we we are in the easter season so let us continue to press in to what christ has accomplished through his resurrection so i want to go and touch on that very subject today and we're going to look at first corinthians 15 1 through 10 and then we're going to jump to forty seven fifty eight. then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, apostles unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then, whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. And then jumping to 47. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man was, is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as in the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we've been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but when, when but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the lord knowing that the lord your that in the lord your labor is not in vain so i want to touch on again the resurrection and How the resurrection was the motivating force for the Christian church to not just survive but thrive and flourish and change an entire empire and the world. Now I'm going to draw some comments that are from Rodney Stark from this book, The Rise of Christianity. I want to give attribution to that. I love the title of this book, The Rise of Christianity, How the Obscure Marginal Jesus Movement Became the Dominant Religious Force in the Western World in a Few Centuries. It's pretty amazing. I'm also, just to give some attribution, um, some of the framework of some of the points I'm making, i have drawn from uh, t- Tim Keller uh, that I uh, have had a chance to uh, dive into on this subject as well. So, so kind of moving forward, Christians... Were different. That is what caused the world to stand up and take notice. Something was different about these Christ followers, uniquely different than anyone else in the empire at the time. And why? They were provocative and peculiar people. They behaved in a way that was uncharacteristic of the way most pagans, if not all pagans, behaved at that time. Their beliefs were shaped in an entirely different way than than the beliefs of that time. The ways that they treated others, conducted themselves in public and private affairs, were characteristically unique. What was unique? And again, how did the resurrection play such a significant part in shaping that? So how were they unique? Well, first of all, the early church, the Christians... During that time, they were willing to put themselves in harm's way. You know, at the time when there were plagues and pestilence and things happening in a city like such as Rome, where would most people seek to go when things were dangerous? They would leave. They would flee. They'd go to the country. They'd go to places where they wouldn't have to be in danger of their very lives. But the Christians gained such a unique reputation at the time of being a people who were like firemen. They, they rushed into the burning building rather than flee from it. They pressed into the lives of those who were suffering and they showed comfort, love, and compassion and put their very lives on the line, not just for family, but for strangers, people they didn't even know. They were able to love and show compassion. Rodney Stark makes this point clear in his book, and he also says this, the other way that they were peculiar and different and provocative and they caught people's attention is that they were able to forgive their enemies. Being persecuted, being put to death, they did not act out like a terrorist cell seeking to to exhibit some or, 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 or try to uh, cause pain against those who were causing them pain. They weren't looking for retribution, but rather they were willing to lean in and step in to forgiveness, to be able to forgive those who hated them, who were harming them, who were willing to put them to death. They were willing to forgive. And thirdly, Rodney says this, they were able to embrace people across ethnic diversity. The Roman Empire was a unique empire at the time. It was embracing all of these many cultures, all these ethnicities. And there was movement. There was freedom of movement oftentimes between these people groups. And so people of different ethnicities were living in cities together. Now, altogether, they, weren't, they were living in their own segments. They were not living, they weren't crossing barriers to get to know those who were unlike them, there was oftentimes animosity. There was oftentimes suspicion between different ethnicities. It wasn't like they were living in harmony, but what the church was able to demonstrate is they were able to bridge those gulfs. That there was, what? No Jew, no difference, no separation between Jew or Greek, slave or free, man or woman. It was all together, all united as brothers and sisters because of Christ. And so they were able to build those bridges and they were able to define common ground and they were able to embrace people across ethnic diversity. Well, why? Why would they do something like that? Why were, the, why were Christians more compassionate to the sick? Why were Christians able to and willing to forgive their persecutors Why were Christians more ethnically inclusive? Because even though these things were true, what was the motivation? What was driving them to do this? Because these are not easy things. They're not easy for us in our common, in our uh, cultural context even today. Why? What motivated them, what drove them, was that it depended it all depended on what their future was to be, that Christians had a certain hope. They could look to the future, and they had a clear vision of the future. They knew who they were and what their future was, and having that clear vision gave them hope and helped them to persevere amidst persecution and difficulty, helped them to press in against the fear of putting their own lives on the line for other people. To show compassion it was a clear and understanding of the future and with a certain future hope they weren't afraid of death because they know what Christ had done for them through his death burial and resurrection they weren't afraid of death that's why they could lean in to those difficult places when there was a plague or some kind of disease They didn't have to fear death because they knew that this wasn't the end of the story. That they knew there was an eternity awaiting for them where they would be with Christ. They had that hope and that assurance that allowed them to put their own lives on the line. They weren't afraid of death, they were free to forgive. Because they had a future hope, they knew that injustice would not prevail forever, that there would be a reckoning, that there would be a final accounting, that all things would be set right. And that it would be judged by not someone like themselves, who were all all ineffective in in being fully uh, just, but Christ himself, God himself being fully and completely just, was able to able to forgive they believed that God was creating a new people from all the nations how they could embrace the diversity the ethnic differences is because they knew that the people of God were going to be a diverse people from all tribes, all tongues, all nations The resurrection of Jesus gave them certainty of God's future, and it also described the shape of God's future. So that's what I want to kind of draw from this text. The resurrection of Jesus gave them certainty of God's future, and it described the shape of God's future. How did it give them certainty? Well, we saw early on it was a historical event. The resurrection happened in time and space. It wasn't just some ethereal belief, something that, you know, if you look at a lot of world religions, oftentimes they're drawing on just beliefs that are in, almost intangible, hard to kind of anchor down on and, and uh, you know, connect with and, and to latch onto. But the resurrection happened in time and space. We have eyewitnesses, people who can testify, and not just a few, but thousands who could bear witness to what has happened. And it, You know, we oftentimes, you know, think about the only kind of evidence that we can depend upon is scientific evidence. But there's other ways we can know things for certainty. Historical evidence provides us oftentimes the ability to, through documents and eyewitnesses, be able to piece together with certainty that an event happened. And with the scriptures, with what we have as a testimony to the resurrection, we have a certainty that this was a true, a real event and we can hold tight to that. We can hold fast to that. Secondly, we know certainly because it was a radically altering event. It, it changed. It changed the people who witnessed it. You know, I showed that video early on. I mean, we see how nonsensical that was because nobody would die for a lie. We know that, right? And yet, those that purported that Jesus, yes, he rose from the dead, they were willing to go to their own death over that. It radically changed their lives. They were willing to put it all on the line. So it provides us a certainty. The resurrection gives us a certainty I like this quote by Alistair McGrath, he says, the resurrection of Jesus is a sign of God's purpose and power to restore his creation to its full stature and integrity. In the aftermath of Gethsemane, we we catch a scent of Eden. The resurrection is like the first day of a new creation. It's changing. It's changing us. It's changing creation. It's it's shaping a new future and a new reality, and that's what we see here in these later verses, fifty-one to fifty-two. Living or dead, we shall be given new bodies in, the, in an instant at Christ's coming. At Christ's coming, the reality, because of the resurrection, is a different reality than what you and I experience right now. It is changing, yes, the here and now, but it will change us. Yet in a time to come when you and I will have resurrection bodies. We will be restored. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. Injustice will be dealt with. There will be justice. There will be no more weeping, no more mourning, no more crying. There will be rejoicing. There will be joy and gladness. There will be feasting. Also in 54 verses 54 and 55, death now has no sting. And will be swallowed up in victory. We know that this is not the final story. So often, people, as they go through life, they, they grasp and they look for answers. Is this all there can be? Is this it? Is this all there is? Is there not more? And you and I, as Christ followers, because of the resurrection, can say, Yes, there is more. There is more. Yet, even in, the, in that there is more in an eternity that the resurrection impacts the now, our present. Christ transforms and conforms us more into the image of his son. And we have in the spirit the power of the resurrection, don't we? And so we can live as obedient, faithful Christ followers because of Christ's power living in and through us. So in this Easter season, just continue to reflect. I know, I know there are many opportunities to continue to always reflect upon the resurrection. It's not relegated to just Easter or this season. But this is an event that has given us a certainty beyond nothing else. It has given us a a picture of the shape of what is yet to come. This is something that can't be contained in a single day, as Bobby says here in this book, but demands us to reflect and to push into it day in and day out during this time. So I'd encourage you to continue to reflect on the resurrection of Christ. Let me pray. Father, thank you for, thank you, with the resurrection. Thank you for the victory over death that we know that death for us is not the final. It's not the final end. That there is life, life in you, life eternal. eternal life where we will be fully restored, resurrection bodies in a new heavens and new earth and we can we can have that as a certain hope, not as a question mark but as a certain hope because of what you accomplished on the Sunday after Good Friday thank you for that we know it changes everything we know our faith is in vain if it was not true and we know yet it is true because it's not, it's not only because of the witnesses not only those who have, who have gone before us who saw it but because we know we, wit- we are witnesses because we have experienced that resurrection, life-changing power in our own lives, even today. Thank you, Father. It's in Christ's name. Amen.